Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your hosts, Mike Fagan and Tim Ben. We're opinion, fact, informative, and your alert system. Now let's get ready to rumble. Good day once again, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on Why Carbon Dioxide is Friendly, this Thursday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. I hope everybody out there is safe and sane. Now, a study by psychologist Robert Emmons divided volunteers into three groups that each made weekly entries in journals. One group wrote five things that they were grateful for. One described five daily hassles, and a control group listed five events that had impacted them in a small way. The results of the study revealed that those in the gratitude group felt better about their lives overall. They were more optimistic about the future and reported fewer health problems. Giving thanks has a way of changing the way that we look at life. Thanksgiving can even make us happier. The Bible has long extolled the benefits of giving thanks to God, as doing so reminds us of his character. The Psalms repeatedly call God's people to give him thanks because the Lord is good and his love endures forever and to thank him for his unfailing love and wonderful deeds. As the Apostle Paul closed his letter to the Philippians, the letter itself, a kind of thank you note to a church that had supported him, he linked thankful prayers with the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. When we focus on God and his goodness, we find that we can pray without anxiety in every situation with thanksgiving. Giving thanks brings us peace that uniquely guards our hearts and minds and changes the way that we look at a heart full of gratitude nurtures a spirit of joy. You know the drill, folks. Father God, you are a loving and compassionate God. Where we see problems, grant us a spirit of gratitude and grateful praise. In your son's Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm glad his love endures forever. The other thing we need to endure forever is carbon dioxide. And so, you know, I mean, even if you're from the Cheech and Chong generation and you've been driving through towns and you smell this skunky smell and you see a warehouse <laughs> with the lights on all night, might look like a greenhouse and it, and it smells bad. They are emitting carbon dioxide because they actually buy machines to grow their pot that emits carbon dioxide because plants love the stuff. Yes, they do, man. And I'll tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, we have got a treat in store for you for the next couple couple of days the thursday show the friday show we have got a scientist in studio with tim and i right now his name is dave bolinius you have definitely heard from him in the past over the years and as we always strongly encourage you we're going to give you some contact information and leave it up to you folks that after you get done here in today's episode as well as tomorrow's episode if you got any questions any concerns you'd like to jump in and help please pick up the phone or send an email you can do so by dialing up Dave locally at 509-468-9062. If you're going to do the good old internet thing and you want to send that email, please send that email to bolenius at gmail.com. I'll spell that last name as B-O-L-E-N-E-U-S at gmail.com. And with that said, welcome to the Right Spokane Perspective. Dave, how are you? Well, thank you. I'm very well. That is good. Thank you, Mike and Tim. Yeah, you bet. What is going on in the climate change, global warming arena for Dave Bolinius? Well, I uh, spent a couple of days uh, preparing to come here. I haven't done anything else talking about this for quite some time. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I'm, I'm glad to just kind of warm up here again. And I was just thinking about what's our carbon dioxide here in this room now? It's probably enough to grow some uh, chrysanthemums or something like that, right? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not so sure we'd get a lot of good tomatoes. I mean, I, uh, okay. you know, but we'll see. I mean, maybe we, we'll have to start planting in the studio. Um, and as you well know, Dave, I mean, you know, we've got the WEF that's meeting in Davos right now. You've got Greta Thunberg that's already made the headlines here, pointing her finger at everybody in attendance at Davos, making the claim, hey, you guys at Davos are the prime reason for global warming. And yeah. then you've got Elon Musk and Twitter that is taking those people that are in attendance at Davos at the WEF conference to task well, I think on Twitter. I think it's interesting that the elites and the people that use the most energy basically per capita, I mean, these people use a massive amount of energy on their private jets and, you know, all of their fancy hotel rooms and their, their big mansions. They burn more fuel than all the rest of us. But, oh, and get know, this, Tim. Here's a new stat for you since we're talking about, you know, flying a plane over to Davos. You know, John Kerry, for instance, he's got that private jet. He ends up flying over to Davos. And that one trip that John Kerry ended up taking... A vehicle would have to emit carbon dioxide for a full year before they would even catch up with the contrails of John Kerry's jet. So so if he would quit flying on all these trips, a lot more people could emit on their way to work. But the emissions <laughs> not so bad. So, uh, David, thanks for coming in today. And, yeah, so... Mr. Bellinius, why do we love carbon dioxide? Why do plants love it so much? If we got rid of all of it, everything would die. But tell us what you've learned. Because you sent over a document to me for me to peruse a book that was uh, 800, I believe, and 56 pages long. So I know that you may have not done a lot of presentations lately, but you are always in the thick of carbon dioxide. Well, that was a very informative book. And it was, even to me, it was very technical. Uh, but we, you know, we really... Uh, should recognize that carbon dioxide is our friend. It is a gas that originated with our earth along with ammonia. It's considered by scientists worldwide as being one of the blocks for giving life. Uh, oh, certainly. It's, uh, you know, if we didn't have carbon dioxide, we wouldn't have plants. We wouldn't have ourselves here. Everything would be dead if we had no carbon dioxide. And we are at this point at a near deficit level of carbon dioxide because we are now 120th of what the carbon dioxide has been in the history of this earth. So we are near the point of plants stop growing if we would go below about 200 parts per million. Right now we are at 400. So we are playing with, should we say fire, or in this case it would be uh, famine. ice <laughs> and famine. <laughs> yes, yes. De desolation exactly. for sure. So, you know, reducing carbon dioxide is not something you want to do. We want to have more of it because it makes more food. And there is no danger. And so I'm going to go through a lot of slides I have here. I'm going to be troubled trying to talk about slides that are meant to look at and then explain them here on the radio. Right. So here goes. We, we have two sessions here that I'm here for. And, I'm, and so the first session I'm going to examine, first of all, information about weather, climate, the history of carbon dioxide, which is I may call CO2. And then I'm going to call on some experts that have talked about this gas. And then the, the second part, I'm going to talk about how we've been deceived, these matters, with fossil fuels, carbon dioxide. Of course, carbon dioxide comes from burning of fossil fuels. And I'm going to tell you something about wind turbines and electric vehicles and uh, the plan that the Davos people have in store for us. 
that will never happen, how we will never get to net zero, which is reducing our carbon dioxide load to zero. Uh It is simply impossible. The people that are telling us we have to do this, they have their head in the sand or they want to, to kill us all. That's my my message about this. Oh, you bet. So, so either they're morons or they want us all dead. And we, all- we know factually, you know, what is the mission of the WEF and everybody that's in attendance over at Davos? It is to reduce the world's population. Absolutely. Well, you can reduce the food supply and that would aid yeah, in that. There you it? go. There we go. We can remember back in the time when Parl Ehrlich was visiting with Johnny Carson and he was on Johnny Carson's show many, many times talking about the population bomb. Mm-hmm. Well, then certainly we have a lot of people, but if we have more carbon dioxide, we can feed them. Absolutely. So there we are. So I'm going to start out by talking about the scientific method of what our uh, scientists use in doing basic research. And I'm going to contrast that with what is going on with the climate, because those folks are using what's called the climate science method. So I just want to explain what the scientific method is and then tell you what the other method is, too. So first of all, in the scientific method, we ask a question. We do research, and then we construct an idea that may develop into a hypothesis. And then we uh, create an experiment to test it, to see if we can test it true or false. Is the procedure working? Uh, Either yes or no. If it's no, then we go back, we have feedback, and and we may start earlier. And then finally, if we get a yes, we'll draw conclusions, and then we'll communicate the results in a scientific paper. And, and so I, the scientific method, you're trying to disprove your hypothesis, therefore proving it because you can't disprove it. Yeah, we have a, a hypothesis called the null hypothesis and then another one called the alternate hypothesis. And you want to disprove one of those. And okay. that's the idea. The scientific method. So now right, you're looking I, at the climate, the climate science climate, method. The climate science method is starts with don't ask inconvenient questions. Uh-huh. Number two is construct a model based on preconceived ideas and then find data that agrees with your model that you just preconceived. Discard the data that doesn't agree. Publish results in the New York Times or The Guardian in the UK to enforce your views to the public. Shout, trust the experts, we use science and label all the non believers climate deniers Uh climate deniers so basically in this example of the scientific the climate science method instead of using the scientific method and going through a series Mm -hmm. i could just say well like you said about the carbon dioxide in this room i say well we also have to worry about the oxygen in this room and so we can only keep you for two shows because we're going to have to leave this room or we'll die so if we leave this room and we stay alive see i was right (laughs) that's the climate science method and and i would be the author of what was right Right, because I said it first. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, next, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just look at some climate data here that shows temperature here in eastern Washington. And it's important to look at rural cities or towns because they're unaffected by all of the concrete and great number of houses we have in the big cities because that affects the temperature. Uh-huh. It's called the urban heat island effect. And every city is affected depending upon the their population. But there's, I just looked at two, two towns, Davenport and Dayton here in Washington. And I went to the, to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration uh, website and got the, the raw data for Davenport and Dayton. 
and I found that they've been uh, reading weather there at those stations since 1880. And during that time, the temperature in Davenport has decreased up through 2022. It's decreasing at a rate of more than half a degree Fahrenheit per century. Wow. In Dayton, it's decreasing the same amount, a half a degree Fahrenheit per century. Well, that sounds kind of chilly in the winter, but a half a degree, I don't think it's going to make a whole lot of difference throughout the year. No, it's not. But the temperature is not increasing. That's what we're told. Right. So they're li- people are lying to us. Haven't you heard Obama or other people saying, oh, we just had the hottest year in history? Exactly. Right. I mean, they've been well, saying that every summer, every fall for the last 10 years. Actually, it was so. on uh, this last Sunday's front page. <laughs> really? Okay. They said it again, huh? Oh, yeah, because anyway. we're, we're in a drought. I hope that all the people in California with the flooding and all the water they're letting go out to the ocean recognize their own man-made drought. Anyhow, moving on. Anyway, so I'm going to just move on here a little bit, talk about history of climate and history of temperature. If we go back to the time when the dinosaurs finally uh, had their last breath, the level of carbon dioxide was about 1,000 parts per million. And so that's why the dinosaurs had had wonderful food to, to eat while they were there. Mm-hmm. And, and so and, you had the massive plants, massive animals because of the level, because of, carbon of, the level dioxide. of carbon dioxide. Well, I, I can yes. say I don't think the level of carbon dioxide is raised enough in the room to make us go extinct, okay. but we're going to take a break and we will be right back. We want to thank God and you, the listeners, for the opportunity and ability to continue the Right Spokane Perspective radio show and podcast programming. We sincerely thank you, Mike Fagan, for your 12 years of dedication to our listeners and guests of the Right Spokane Perspective, and we wish you well in your sabbatical and anticipate hearing from you again from time to time. Listeners, it's because of your support we will continue to bring you facts, commentary, and alerts on what's happening in local government, politics, and issues affecting us all. Please send your most generous support to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, P.O. Box 7620, Spokane, Wa 99207. Thanks again, and back to the show. And welcome back from the break, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on Why Carbon Dioxide is Friendly, this Thursday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. All right, Dave, go ahead. Okay, let me just uh, go on. I don't ask too many questions. I, I need to try to get through this. <laughs> so, uh, as I was saying, back at the time, uh, the end of the dinosaurs, we were at 1,000 ppm, and as time moved forward, we gradually moved into an ice age. Now, the ice age has been with us for 15 million years. It's gradually got colder and colder until the last 2 million years when the patterns, weather patterns changed because we suddenly had Panama rise up out of the sea, and that caused a great, great change in ocean circulation. When we're having that with other volcanic uh, action, growing islands and things, right? Yes. So anyway, so then over the last 400,000 years, we've had some very severe glacial advances and to the point where we had ice that was a mile thick, three miles thick over parts of North America and Europe. And so uh, we've been able to, to, during that time, record the level of carbon dioxide along with the temperature during those last four glacial advances. And we found that the temperature in the, the warm period at the end of the last glacial period was warmer than we are now. Uh-huh. And then we can also compare the carbon dioxide, and I'm going to get to that here in just a minute. I'm going to talk about glaciers a little more. That We have a, a, a record of glaciers. One really important one, the largest glacier in the Alps called the, uh, the Great Aleche, if I can pronounce it, A-L-E-T-S-C-H glacier. And, 
in the Val, Alps of uh, Valais. Anyway, there has been six advances and uh, retreats of that glacier. At one point, the glacier was completely gone. Yeah. But it records periods of the warm period during the, the pharaohs Ramses and the first, second kingdoms of Egypt. And that was followed by a cold period. And then another warm period was followed. That was a Roman warm period. And then we had the Dark Ages follow when the glacier advanced almost, I think, what is it, 4,000 meters. And then that moved back to a warm period. That was when the Vikings actually uh, settled in Greenland. Uh Following the Vikings, in that 200-year period, a warm period, we went into the Little Ice Age where this glacier advanced again several times to its maximum length. So we have a lot of records of climate changing and this is these are vast changes if it at two times this glacier was completely gone you bet now dave have you have you intercepted any information here recently that would lead you to believe that a lot of these glaciers these uh, long established glaciers that we've had the phenom that we're seeing is they're melting from the bottom up and I ended up catching some headlines about that just within the last week. And that leads me to believe that it's the Earth's crust that is getting warmer and it's melting those those glaciers from the bottom up. Now, if it was global warming, the outside temperature, one would think it would be melting the glaciers downward. Well, you can have, you know, volcanic activity that that can melt. I mean, but the fact that we can control anything in nature to this extent is, is pretty insane with you know, what's going on in the world. You look at these volcanoes and what they emit. I, I don't think starting your car in the morning is going to affect that volcano or the climate. No, no, I think the answer to your question, it is not warming from the bottom up. The uh, heat flow out of the earth is is very, very constant. It's different around the world, but it's not going to be melting the glacier from the bottom up. Okay. That's just junk news or whatever you want to call it. Well, it's it's all these explorers going up there chunking off ice so they can have a cold drink before they go to bed. (laughs) So anyway, I I want to move a little bit further in history here to look at the last 10,000 years since the the last uh, glaciers disappeared. And I want to show show here, even though you can't see here on the radio, that the temperature at 8,000 years ago was two... Let's see, I'm looking at Fahrenheit. I'm going to make sure I give you Fahrenheit. 4.5 degrees colder now than it was at that time and we've actually the temperature has actually risen about a degree fahrenheit in the last two centuries Mm -hmm. so at this point though we are four and a half degrees colder than we were at the time say at the during the bronze age Mm -hmm. or somewhat before that perhaps so eight thousand years ago so this was what's called the climate optimum and the reason this is happening is because the earth's is a, a spin axis is changing. It's called the obliquity, and the obliquity is uh, is changing. So the uh, the spin axis is actually moving away from the sun, and it's moved away in that eight thousand years by about eight tenths of a degree. So this makes the the Arctic get less insulation, less, less uh, sunshine from the sun. Mm-hmm. Basically, you're talking going, about the, the solar radiation having more to do with our climate than uh, emissions right. of any kind. Right. It's fairly constant. This, this chart shows you here so that, that the listeners can't see. Anyway, so this goes on. And what's going on with our glaciers more recently after the two, like in the last two centuries, is they're, they're unchanged. There's ups and downs 
and people like to take issue with the with the downs but that simply isn't the case and it's we have you know constant ice cover in greenland and antarctica there's differences in the arctic because there's more ocean circulation that goes into the bering sea Mm. And that's that's a reason we that people are so concerned about that. But just to look more into the weather here, we've seen over the last 50 years or 100 years, the drought severity index is actually down from what it's been over the last 1,000 years. Okay. And in fact, over the last 50 years, it's actually dropped. The uh, the annual forest burned area in Europe is down 50 percent in the last 40 years. And in Australia, it's down 60% in the last 120 years. In the U.S., it's down 90% in the last 90 years. That's burn area. Uh, the ch- changes atmospheric heat waves are down uh, in the U.S. 25% in the last 120 years. They're unchanged as far as heat wave magnitude, though. The average number of U.S. daily temperature records uh, are down 25% in the last century. Uh, we've noticed over the last few years, in 2015, 21, and 22, we've had record colds. In 2015, there were 3,573 record new lows broken, 572 of them tied. Now, that's all across the sensors where this data is being compiled. And, and that's another debate. I remember when you had come in before, we were talking about the location of these sensors. <clears throat> and so, you know, right. obviously a sensor that's sitting out in a field near a forest that they're trying to, you know, create data. Data is only good if the conditions stay constant. But if you put a parking lot next to the sensor with asphalt, we all oh. know what happens, you know, walk in the grass with your bare feet and then go step out on the roadway on a sunny day, you're going to get a different experience on the surface of your feet, right? That, so that's right. Yes. That, that's a big problem with the, what they've been telling us earlier on in the show, that they're lying to us about all of the warming that's happening and it's because they're picking and choosing which sensors they use. But these other scientists are saying, we have to go through the scientific method and remove sensors that are going to give us incomplete or incoherent data because of conditions. That's right. Yeah, we've been able to identify these. In fact, Noah didn't even bother and there were almost 93% of the sensors in, across the U.S. that were found not to be up to standards. And, and that's, so, only, hope, that's only after severely removing them uh, from where they used to be worldwide. Right. 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 So, yeah, moving on here. Another argument that they were told that this is the reason that global warming is happening is that coral is bleaching. Mm-hmm. Well, coral has been known to bleach since 1575 the bleaching has been well known and in fact coral uh, thrives in warmer water so we need not worry about coral bleaching mm-hmm. uh, there may be some places that that it's worse but there's a professor in in western australia that spent his whole career studying this and he knows well that there there's really not a problem so i just want to go on here we also told a lot about we're going to have more people die because of hot weather. Well, more people die because it's cold. If we don't have electricity and it gets cold, more people are going to die. So if we can get, stay warmer, we need to, we don't need to have as much heat. Are you telling me a healthy shade tree <clears throat> with lots of carbon dioxide will help you in the summer, but not the winter? Is that what you're saying? There we go. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, um, so because I'm going to say that the global annual death rate from natural disasters since 1900 has dropped 
Mm-hmm. And so, and it's leveled right now. Well, that's the Davos problem. There's just too many there people surviving these disasters, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway, there's an, there's more. I'm not going to tell you about all this. So, we'll look at the temperature here just briefly. There's, uh, you know, temperature records have been been recorded now in in the UK and the United Kingdom for a long since 1740 when we had the first record started. But they have a long-standing weather station called the at the Hadley Institute at the University of East Anglia in the UK. And I'm just looking at this pattern, and I don't see any warming at all. You see any warming in this since 1852, Mike? No. no. Not enough for me to want to take a vacation there. So uh, I, I can't see it either, you know. And so I look, had to look a little bit. I got on, on my computer, and I th- I tried to do it a best fit trend line and I, I couldn't get anything more than it was just horizontal. But I did find that the temperature change is downward uh, slightly. The rate of change is downward rather. So I, so I looked at rate of change and, in, in, and so that shows that in uh, the next century we're going to remove all of the warming that we've had in the last century before. And what I also saw on the rate of change is that it goes up and down uh, consistent with the Pacific Decadal Oscillation. This is a, a measure of climatology that the climate experts use. And so I thought it, that was real interesting. I just did that on my computer. <laughs> and then if you remember back, uh, I remember this in uh, 1972. Uh-huh. Oh, the coming ice Walt- age, right? That Walter was- Cronkite. I was at my first job at this time. He says the new ice age is creeping toward the northern hemisphere. The and, new ice age. And what was it? What was it? He would say at the end of his meet, his newscast. Anyway, this was November eleventh, nineteen seventy-two, and so I looked at the record from the, from the UK station, and certainly there was a ten-year period when the temperature was decreasing, mm-hmm. and it was decreasing at a rapid rate, and it happened this. This way earlier in the UK record or the Hadley record. Well, in the in the climate change alarmism, definitely the uh, the coming ice age would be scarier because you know cold is scarier. It just kills more people and it's not very comfortable. Anyway, here's the carbon dioxide record, and it's definitely going up. It's going up two parts per million per year. So two two it, parts per million per, per year. Per million per year. Where I'd have to have the like so, the odds of the lottery experts look at this right. one because so two is parts that important? So here. In this next graph, it's the red line is going upward, and I'm plotting here now the uh, University of Alabama satellite record that mm-hmm. has been uh, recorded since 1979. And the the satellite record is horizontal. The weather's unchanged, but the uh, carbon dioxide record is going up. So carbon dioxide is not affecting that temperature that the satellites are reading. And so they're lo- not at a gain of two parts per million two per, per year. Million. Come on, man. Yeah, I mean, some of this stuff, it, it's almost you wonder how measurable it even is. And of course, if they're lying to us about any data having to do with their sensors, like they did with the temperature, then we could find ourselves far out of whack from their agenda. And, and definitely this whole thing is about power not about uh, and i'm not talking about electricity and using fossil fuels it's all about power and control political power and control so folks out there we're out of time for today's show but you got to come back tomorrow because we're going to explore some more interesting things about climate hoax here that we've got and learn a little bit about how they're lying to us right so something to look up is the rational 
Climate ebook, second edition. Okay, the Rational Climate ebook, second edition. And and I can tell you, I thumbed through this stuff. I hope you've really got some powerful calculators next to you if you want to understand all the information. But we got to start looking because we've got to challenge those in power <laughs> that want to diminish uh, not just our population, but our our ability to have individual liberties uh, can continue to exist because they're going to take our rights by telling us it's bad weather coming. You if, bet. I, if I could say one more thing about that, if it's important to look in that book about the, the hidden agenda chapter, and this is why the people are telling us that we have to stop using fuels, we have to stop emitting carbon dioxide, and they explain it there, and um, I was kind of sweating at my armpits and ugh, couldn't believe the words I was you were reading. reading in that well, book. we'll definitely be doing a deeper dive on that in tomorrow's show. All of that being said, ladies and gentlemen, Mike and Tim, we are out of here today, but we'll be back at you and in your face again tomorrow. Bye-bye.